despite all those years of medical school and training, I had received very little financial education. From Spa Dameron Tenney, it's the Prosperous Doc Podcast. Real stories, real inspiration, real growth. A show for doctors who are ready to improve their overall wellness in every aspect of life. Now here's your host, Shane Tenney. All right, welcome back to the Prosperous Doc Podcast. My name is Shane Tenney and glad to have you with us for our conversation today. Now I've got a question to start off today's show. Would you ever intentionally put your kids at risk of having stressful lives that could lead to poor health or broken relationships or maybe even substance abuse? No, of course not. And yet you might be on that path if you aren't talking with your kids about money. According to a study by Forbes, Only about one in three kids in public school even has access to classes on money. And as a parent of four kids myself, I know one of the things that I hope for them is that they will grow up feeling comfortable and empowered and successful at managing whatever money they earn and have access to. And yet, unfortunately, in so many homes, money is just an uncomfortable topic or a taboo topic at the dinner table. And the reality is that unless parents, unless you take the steps to prepare your kids for financial decisions, there's a good chance they may end up like so many Americans without even a clue of how to cover an unexpected expense of more than $1,000. Well, today's guest and I are definitely on the same page on this one, talking to your kids about money and helping them to become financially literate. My guest today is, in fact, a pediatric gastroenterologist and also now, I like to think, an award-winning author of a children's book on money. And so I'm delighted to welcome to the Prosperous Doc podcast, um, Dr. Michelle Cho Dorado, and to talk about a topic that is dear to my heart and hers too, financial literacy for kids. Michelle, thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so I want to talk about the book and kind of what you packed in there, but I know there's a whole story that happened before the book. And so I thought we might just start there a little bit. You are trained in medicine, you practice in medicine, and yet here we are talking about a book that you've written that has nothing to do with medicine. When did money come up on the radar of your awareness? So a little too late, I think, and that's kind of what prompted all of this. I was about eight years into practice as a pediatric gastroenterologist as an attending and already almost 40. And I just realized at some point that I had very little financial education. And despite all those years of medical school and training, I had received very little financial education. And you know, once I got married, my husband, I would say, probably planted the first seeds of thinking about making financial goals a little bit differently than what I was used to. I think up until that point, I had only knew to make money and save and put some aside and save up for retirement. And that's really all I knew. I hadn't thought about making investments or never really knew what to do with extra money if I had it. And, you know, in that time frame, we had kids and I think we just started making different goals. And I didn't even know how to make those goals because I, again, like I said, I just realized that I hadn't really been educated on how to manage money, what to do with it, um, how to make investments. And 
Um, it just led me on an educational journey that kind of led me to this point. There's a lot more packed into that and I could go into that, but feel free to ask me if you have any questions before that. Yeah. yeah. So what did you do? It's not an easy topic to suddenly master. No, not at all. Uh, and I think that was part of it. I think part of my mindset was that I had for so long just told myself that I wasn't good with money. It's not anything that I was really educated on. So almost like out of sight, out of mind. And and I started to really believe that that just was something that I wasn't good at. And it made me not really want to learn it. So yeah, I guess around that time, I just started reading more. And I came across a community of doctors who were talking about financial topics more openly. And it just opened up my eyes because I think I realized that I was not the only doctor that felt financially literate. And that in one way surprised me, but I guess not so surprising just given our backgrounds. But I felt not so alone. And so it really prompted me to start reading. I started reading books on personal finance and growth and mindset and tax strategies and real estate investing. It just opened up a whole new world. And the more I learned and understood it, it made me realize that this is something that I can and should learn. I'm still learning now. I mean, it it doesn't end, right? But at least getting started, I think getting past that limiting belief of realizing that just because I didn't know about it before doesn't mean that I cannot learn and, and master it. That's a really interesting observation you're making is just that own, like you said, a limiting belief, which is, mm-hmm. oh, I'm a doctor, this isn't my field, or if I enjoyed math, I wouldn't have just majored in biology or something like that. And then it's just overwhelming. You don't know where to start. Yeah, that was actually a huge part of it, because I think a lot of doctors and myself included are very type A personalities, and medicine is such a narrow path. The next step's always laid out for you. You go to medical school, then you have residency, and then you have training, and then you get a job. And even once you start a job, you can go private practice or academia, and there are certain paths that are always laid out. And so I never really thought to think outside the box. You're not really encouraged to, right? And so that was part of my identity was just being a doctor. And I never thought I could do things outside of medicine. I mean, we'll talk later about the book, but I mean, forget it. Like, I never thought I was even a creative person. I never thought I could write a book. So that was all part of my limiting beliefs. And again, just putting myself in this little box. And so as you were starting to explore this, I guess, and this desire, this awareness that money has a big impact. And I Mm -hmm. guess I'm, I don't want to put words in it, but I don't want money to be controlling me. I want to feel like I'm controlling it. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in here, you thought, oh, this impacts my kids too. Yes, definitely. I think that was a big part of it as well as I think I realized looking back in my childhood and not to put down my childhood at all, because I'm so grateful for how my parents raised me and the values and the ethics that they gave to me. But yes, money was not really talked about, definitely didn't talk about investments. And so I think I realized that my upbringing and the lack of financial education that I received affected me as an adult. And so once we had little kids and they're very young, not even in grade school yet, but you know, it made me realize that these are things I want them to learn early on. And they may be too young to understand all the concepts right now, but at least exposing them to the words. And the more you hear it, the more at least you're in tune to it. And then at some point, I hope that because they've heard it multiple times or all the time, that it'll kind of sink in and they're more conscious of different money concepts. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about in some ways, the way you were raised, because I think that's so important for all of us, whether we grew up in a household with 
where money was prevalent, whether we grew up in a house where money was scarce. There's just these messages that go on. What have you learned, I guess, about yourself and kind of the environment of the climate that you grew up in? Yeah. So my parents are immigrant parents, so they came with very little and worked very, very hard to provide for myself and my sister. And and we were, I would say, like upper middle class growing up. We didn't have tons of money and weren't buying, like living extravagantly by any means, but they always provided enough for us where I never felt like we were poor or couldn't afford this or that. With that said, for anyone that's coming from another country with very little, once they build up a certain life, I think they want to show that they're living the American dream. And so for my parents, if they had money, they spent it. And I think they probably did try to reinforce saving and things like that. Like we, I remember opening a bank account when we were little, but beyond that, there was not really much talk about how to manage money, how to budget, definitely not making investments. And I'm thankful that my parents did help us through school. You know, like that's not something I had to worry about, at least for college. But I don't know, to be honest, they weren't transparent about like how they finance those things and when whether they had money in retirement or not. It's just things that, that weren't talked about. Like money wasn't discussed openly. And I wouldn't necessarily say it was taboo, but it just wasn't an important topic to master, right? It was just something that you use to buy things and you save, but it wasn't anything that on a daily basis or even on a regular basis, it was discussed. Yeah. Yeah. Can you remember in the last couple of years as you've found both the interest and the humility and the confidence to start learning an example? Cause I know there are people listening to this conversation right now thinking, yeah, that's me. What's a surprise or an aha moment you've had around as you've been learning about money stuff? Like for myself in terms of how, well, like I said, investing is something that's fairly new, I would say. When I thought of investing previously, I just thought it was the stock market. That's all I knew. And even that seemed very complicated to me. There are mutual funds and ETFs and bonds. And and I just didn't even know the differences between them. And why would you use one or the other? And there's different retirement vehicles and all these things I just wasn't really understanding. But then I think in the past couple of years, when I started educating myself, you know, I start learning about other ways to invest, other asset classes like real estate. And that's something that my husband and I have kind of dove into. And so that's been very exciting for us. So just the idea of there being other ways to invest money and even outside of real estate, other asset classes, these are all things that we're learning about. And and it's very exciting because it opened up a whole new box of avenues to manage and do things with your money and let it grow. That's exciting for me. (laughs) And I was going to say, I almost think you now have um, begun to take for granted some of the more, even most foundational things, which is just the vocabulary. Look at you (laughs) throwing out this phrase like asset classes, which five years ago didn't even exist in your vocabulary. That's very true. That's very true. It is fun to learn and then fun to be able to see its own application. Yeah, Um, for sure. You mentioned, um, I need to take a break in just a minute, but you clearly, um, reading has been a big part. Somebody's listening, thinking, oh, wait, where did you start, Michelle? What was uh, one of the first two or three books or, or most impactful kind of foundational books that you found? So one of the first books I read was The White Coat Investor, and it's a pretty high yield overview of different money topics and investing topics, stock market, things like that for healthcare professionals. 
Yeah. And so I thought that that was a very easy read and just kind of introduced me. And even that book, when I first read it, like there were a lot of words in there that I was very confused about. And I bet you if I read it now, it would make a lot more sense, but it was just an introduction for me. But Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I know that's a book that's thrown out a lot, but that was really a big mindset shifting book for me, just in the way I thought about assets and liabilities and how to utilize money. So that was a big mindset change book for me, I would say. I've read a lot of books. I have so many books have been amazing and impactful. I would say one of the more impactful books I read more recently is called The Go-Giver. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that book also just, again, kind of teaches about having more of a giving mentality in, in terms of business and the way you manage money too. And I think sometimes that's lost upon when you're talking about like investing and earning money and things like that. So yeah, all great books. And I think uh, definitely a great starting point for that journey. Speaking of books, I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you about your book. Do you understand your personal cash flow? You know, the combination of your monthly income and monthly expenses. Do you ever think about how much money you made last year and wonder, where did it all go? Understanding where your money goes today is essential to creating an actionable plan to achieve your financial goals for tomorrow. Take control of your finances by downloading the free personal cash flow worksheet. The Prosperous Doc podcast is underwritten by the financial planning firm of Spa Dameron Tenney, and you can download this free personal cash flow worksheet at sdtplanning.com and click on financial resources. Don't let another month of money confusion go by when you have access to free help. Again, the website is sdtplanning.com. Click on financial resources to download the free personal cash flow worksheet. So we're back. I'm talking with uh, Michelle Chodorado about her journey as a clinician learning about money, and then ultimately coming to the point where you want to make sure that your children learn about money. You have undertaken and completed the daunting task of writing a children's book about money. Tell us a little bit about the process. Yeah. So I kind of alluded to earlier about the fact that I had some limiting beliefs and getting past that was really big and kind of changing my path. And Part of that was us having kids and my husband and I realizing that we wanted our kids to learn these financial concepts early on. And they were one in three at the time, very young. But my thought was there wasn't a lot of resources out there for that younger age group. And I thought that I could write more of a fun like picture book story format where it could introduce these concepts and they may not understand what it means. It's not meant to help them to master money topics, but at least being exposed to the words, what it means to save and give and earn and, and grow a business and even invest, you know, just hearing the words, I think, in a fun story might be impactful. So that was my thought process. And again, I went from thinking I could only be a doctor and nothing else to realizing that I may have a creative side in myself and I can do this as well. So it was more a challenge that I can conquer. And so that's kind of how the book came about. But yeah, so I have a book called Reach for the Stars. And it's a story about a little girl who 
wants something that her mom says is expensive and um, she'd have to earn money to get it herself. And so she starts a business and uh, learns to find ways to make more money and grow her business. And along the journey, she learns to save and she learns the joy of giving and even invests and employs her brother. And yeah, so it's just a fun story that kind of introduces all of those topics. That is uh, fantastic. How'd you make it happen? How'd you come up with a story that was compelling? How'd you find an illustrator? How'd you make a book? <laughs> yeah, so it's a whole new world and learning. It was a two-year process, honestly, from beginning to end. I had the idea. I just sat down and wrote a manuscript and wrote a story. And then I had it professionally edited. And then I found an illustrator. So there are communities of authors and illustrators and societies where all these people come together, certain platforms. And so I just went on one of those and looked at different illustrator um, portfolios and found one that resonated with me. And part of it also is I wanted an Asian character and kind of to um, be representative of Asian heritage as well. And so I, it was more important for me to find the Asian illustrator. So I did find an illustrator out of Japan and I just really liked her style. We just met and it clicked. And so that's kind of how that came together. And then it just was kind of a slow process. I ended up self-publishing the book and just a lot to learn in terms of navigating publishing and editing. And yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. still not an expert. But no, it's a lot. I got no, it actually, let's put, we'll put it in the show notes, but for people listening, thinking, wait, I've got little kids or this sounds compelling. Um, how do they get a copy of Reach for the Stars? Yeah. So I sell it on my website, the hard copy, which um, is personally autographed. And that's on uh, my website, brightfuturesedg.com. And it's also on Amazon as well. Gotcha. So amazon.com, reach for the stars and you can find it. You mentioned though, this is a great point to insert. Tell us about your business, Bright Futures EDG. Yes. So after I had wrote the book, I just felt that there was more of a purpose than just having the book. And I really wanted to reach more kids and insert more education. And so I developed the platform to get the information out to as many kids as possible. I figure I'm a parent with young kids and I'm sure other parents with young kids probably have the same challenges that I do where your kids are not going to learn these topics in school, at least traditionally not. And so I wanted to give some resources where parents can do activities at home or even, you know, use the book to expose these concepts to kids. So on the website, there are some activity sheets that you can download for free, just things like even matching coins. So they're aware and, and also actually part of it is empowering kids also to think big and to be bold. And I think financial literacy, I think there are benefits beyond just learning about money. I think that you know, it builds confidence and I think that it builds good decision-making. And I like to promote entrepreneurship too, because I think that that also will help build leadership qualities and all these things I think are important vital life skills. And so I try to push the growth mindset and all these things, their activities related to these types of topics on the website. I'm still learning and I'm hoping to develop this more. So more content in the works, but yeah, it's just been an exciting process. And again, two years ago, I never would have thought that I would have a book and have a business, but again, just getting past limiting beliefs, I think for anybody is major. That is really awesome. Now, your business is called Bright Futures EDG. Mm -hmm. What is the EDG at the end? <laughs> so it stands for Empower, Develop, and Grow. Fantastic. Having 
kids myself, um, a little older uh, in high school and in college now, it's not easy teaching them about money. Yours are small, but do you have any practical tips? Are there things that you're doing now with your kids to try and uh, build their financial literacy? Yeah. So we're doing what I feel like I didn't have when I was a kid is just being transparent. Like we just talk, my husband and I talk openly about our investments. We have some short-term rentals. So we bring them with us. And we, my five-year-old talks about our, our Airbnb as the investment home. It's kind of funny, but we just try to be transparent. And when we're saving for things, we tell them we, when we're giving, we try to show them we're just very open and we just want them to see what we're doing. Ultimately, parents are going to be role models for their kids. And so they're not going to do what they hear if they don't see it at home. And so um, I think that's for us, at least a reminder and it keeps us in check. <laughs> yep. It's interesting. You mentioned this. I read either a book or an article years ago, and it was comparing the, I think, children's success in school or college or something like that um, to statistical factors at looking at correlation and causation. And one of the things was just the presence of books in the home, regardless of actually their time spent reading, but the presence of books um, statistically had a great causation impact on their yeah. future success. I'm thinking almost of exactly what you're saying, which is just almost by osmosis, just talking about these things, introducing concepts, helping them understand it's not something to be afraid of. It's something really right. to do is so impactful in their development and comfort. Yeah, I agree. And I think if you can help your kids uh, reach financial stability as adults, I think that affects personal and societal well-being as well. So there's, I think it, it plays a huge factor just in overall well-being. So um, yeah, very important, I think. For sure. And I would add as a partner in a financial planning firm, specifically for those in medicine, in dentistry, as healthcare professionals, you are a subset of the most highly compensated population in America. And so that gives tremendous opportunity, but also tremendous responsibility. And to grow up in a home that has the ability to have means and have it misunderstood or have it feel overwhelming can lead to stress and poor decisions. And yet, if we empower ourselves, as you've done, um, face the limiting means, if we empower our kids, um, there's such an opportunity for impact of our own families and the communities around us. Yeah. And you make a good point because physicians are typically high earners, but you go from making very little money in residency and, and fellowship to all of a sudden making double, triple, depending on your specialty, you know, quadruple what you made in training. And also you go through so many years of delayed gratification where you're kind of holding back on being able to spend because you don't have money. So then all of a sudden when you come into a lot, people tend to overspend because they're poorly equipped to manage appropriately and manage that dump in, in income. And so I think just kind of preparing our own children for future and income and things like that, I think is very important. Totally. I couldn't agree more. So now that you've tasted the um, the success of entrepreneurship and authorship, do you anticipate another book coming or what do you see in the future for uh, Bright Futures? Yeah, I, I hope so. I have some books in the works. Yeah. So I hope to develop a series. I gotcha. Okay. So we got the, the creative flywheel. And yeah. Now, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, Michelle, how can they track you down? Yeah, so my contact information is on my website, and it's info at brightfuturesedg.com. 
but that you, I'm reachable on the website if you go there. Super. Again, it's brightfuturesedg.com. And yep. Michelle, parting question here. You have accomplished so much. I've only scratched the surface of your story, not the least of which is surviving medical school, making it as a physician, um, starting a business, learning so much. Apparently, you've got a, a budding uh, real estate empire within the household. And I know you didn't do it alone. Um, no. All of us stand on the shoulders of someone who's built into our lives. Is there somebody or anyone that comes to mind you'd like to give a shout out to here on the Prosperous Doc podcast? Yeah. So several, I would say. I would say three at least. So my parents, first of all, you know, despite not receiving financial education in the home, they've instilled in me strong work ethic and values, which I'm thankful for. And I think that allowed me to get through medical training and built resilience that way. And then I would say my husband, number two, just because he's an outside of the box type of thinker, and I'm very much an inside of the box type of thinker. And so he's the one that pushes me to think outside the box, which many times makes me uncomfortable. But I think one of my mantras this past year has been to get comfortable doing uncomfortable things. And I think that's really pushed me and allowed me to grow. So I definitely would not be here without my husband. And then thirdly, and lastly, I would say is I'm lucky to be around a community of other physicians who are very forward thinking. And I think when you surround yourself with like-minded folks who push you and challenge you and show you what you're capable of, I think you can really surprise yourself at what you can do. So I'm thankful for the community of physicians that I'm around that I learned Fantastic. from. Fantastic. Well, um, Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for the the gift that you are giving to the community of medical providers with little kids and for all of us who are trying to help raise up a generation of uh, people who are comfortable making good, smart financial decisions. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining us on the Prosperous Talk podcast. Hopefully you found the conversation helpful. And if I could ask you a favor as my listener, If you have a cool story, if you know someone, you trained with someone who's doing something neat or making an impact in our society, in our world, would you email me? You can track me down. It's shane at prosperousdoc.com. I would love your input, your feedback. And of course, we always love good ratings. So if you can give us some ratings or reviews on um, iTunes or Google Play, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, we appreciate it. And I'll see you back here next time. This episode of the Prosperous Doc Podcast is over, but you're not alone on your journey. Spa Dameron Tenney has been helping physicians and dentists prosper through financial planning for over 60 years. To connect with us, visit sdtplanning.com today and take your financial wellness to new levels. Join us on the next episode of the Prosperous Doc Podcast.